Hello, my name is Jennifer Roden, and I have been a public educator for 24 years. Since I became a school psychologist in 2006, my favorite part of the job has been consulting with parents. We've laughed, we've cried, and I'm always happy to catch up over the course of years. I pride myself in conversing with parents using the same kind and sensitive tone that I would use if it were my own mother sitting across from me. I'm glad you're here, and I look forward to supporting you. Thank you for tuning in to Ask Jen Psych. Hello, listeners. Uh, Today, I have some guests that I've been very excited about, and I just met them about five or 10, 20 minutes ago. Um, I have Ms. Leah Thigpen and Ms. Heather Christie Morris of the corporate class here with me today. And they are promoting um, job readiness for young women of color aged 18 to 24. And I am going to let them explain a little bit about their services and upcoming events and about themselves. So... Ladies, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you so for much us. for having us. Um, yeah, so the corporate class uh, is targeting young women in our community um, who are preparing for early career. Some of them even can be have already started careers mm-hmm. and need a bit of uplift. And we recognize the importance of mentorship and coaching and what that can provide for an individual. And we recognize everyone doesn't have access to that. Right. We certainly have not always had that in our own careers. And we wanted to find a way to offer that to young women who were interested. Wonderful. Thanks, Leah. Yeah, she said it perfectly. There's not a whole lot to add to that. Um, yeah, so this really was birthed out of a need, not um, anything else. <laughs> you know, we recognize this need. This is something that Leah and I recognized individually. And then um, as we kind of started talking about it, we recognize that, you know, there might be a space here where we can add some value. Um, and is there someone else doing it? The fact of the matter is there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, as we kind of talked and um, you know, we will talk, we'll get into the logistics of it, I'm sure. I don't want to steal the thunder. But, um, yeah, this thing was birthed out of, out of what we recognize to be a need for young women. Nice. And not just young women of color. I mean, particularly that's our target market. But mm-hmm. we're open to young women, period, recognizing mm-hmm. that women need this. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Well, and I think back to, um, you know, Leah and I were talking a little bit because we, we went to the same high school for a little bit mm-hmm. and not at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of old these days. Big <laughs> <laughs> girl. But, um, you know, when, you're, when I was growing up in the 90s, 90s, you know, when you were, if you were a girl, your choices for career were like housewife, nurse, and teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, those, you know, that's just what you could do. And it, nobody even questioned it. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I, I guess I'm going to go to college and I guess I'm going to be a teacher, you know, and I was interested in other things. And I kind of, you know, look back, I'm glad with at, at, about the path that I wound up taking, but I just think it's wonderful that you are promoting and mentoring little girls who might not have had that. Yeah, for sure. I would say my own, I actually did want to be a teacher Mm -hmm. uh, for a while there. And um, I came of age during that era when computers were the big thing. And Mm -hmm. the only guidance I kind of got was go into computers. That's where the money is. But I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't have any examples Mm -hmm. of women who looked like me mm-hmm. and what that path was like. And incidentally, um, I did end up in computers uh, or, you know, in IT, but that wasn't, I kind of stumbled and found my way into it. And it would have been very mm-hmm. helpful to have some guidance or support there. Yeah. And I think that's what we want to, you know, give to other young women. That's wonderful. 
Yeah, I think the other thing is the balance too, right? Recognizing that we don't have to be just one thing. I think a lot of times we see this picture of one type of woman, right? right. So it's you pick the path and then that's mm-hmm. the path that you go on. But as women, we know we wear so many hats, Absolutely. right? We are the mom sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's conventional, sometimes that's unconventional with how that happens, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's no one way to do that either. Right. Um, we are the wife, we are the spouse, we are the significant other, we are the partner, we are the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then we are the um you know, we have our boss hat on if we're at work or our employee hat on mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? And then we're the counselor to friends and we're the yes. cousins and we're the sisters and we're the aunts and uh-huh. we're, the, we're all these things. Um, our lives are so intersectional. And I think giving a place to each one of those spaces and a nod to each one of those spaces is so mm-hmm. important for our young women. And if they don't see that, I mean, it's really hard for them to understand how it's possible to do. Right. Um, so I think that that's one of the things that we really talk about is, you know, the, in our curriculum is the hats that we wear. Mm-hmm. How do we wear those successfully? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, how do we go to networking events? And, you know, what do we do in those spaces? And then be able to switch it off when we get home and be mom and be nurturing to our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then take that hat off and put another hat on and then be nurturing to our husbands in a different type of way. Right. right? <laughs> and so what does that look like? And so I think that there's just so many different hats that we wear. And, and I think when young ladies are able to see that this is possible mm-hmm. and with young women that look like them, mm-hmm. I think that that changes the narrative a lot for them. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's great. Well, and plus it can be very overwhelming to think about all of the hats that women have to wear. You know, I mean, yeah. sometimes you just want to scream. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm lucky to keep up with my laundry on a lot of days, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you know, and it's it, it's really great to have that as part of the career readiness because I think our society doesn't have a lot of boundaries between the hustle and home. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not a homework fan, and I've yeah. said it before, you know, for kids, because I really think it's just teaching a kid to be part of the grind, you know, to have no boundaries between your work and your home. You're supposed you're allowed to enjoy your life, yeah. um, and it's nice that as part of a career readiness, you're getting you're talking about those heavy things that people have to do, but also keep yourself. Don't lose yourself in that in that because that's important you burn out real easy if you don't get to enjoy something absolutely absolutely and i I think it's more of a uh, when it comes to our curriculum obviously talking about the corporate aspects right the professional aspect Mm -hmm. but seeing us as people right we are who we are when we show up right and so helping them understand that yes we do wear this hat but underneath it all we are just humans and i may Mm -hmm. have a dirty kitchen right now (laughs) (laughs) i might too (laughs) oh man thank you so much for that so you have some pretty exciting uh services and events coming up Really soon, really. Yeah, we do. So we have um, our first class of the year, the Pinnacle Leader Program, kicking off uh, for 2023. It starts on February 20th okay. on a Tuesday and Thursday evenings from 530 to 7. And so we are about halfway full with the class, but we mm-hmm. are still looking for young women who are interested. Mm-hmm. I think one of the questions we often get, um, because we do target 18 to 24, is that sometimes you have, let's say, high school seniors who are 17, and so they think that they are excluded, but we absolutely can make room for them. Oh, because that's good to know. We recognize there's a maturity level sometimes for some young women at that stage. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, and you figure they're going to graduate soon if they're 17 and mm-hmm. they're a senior, so... 
That counts. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and also, we get some ladies who are a little bit older, right? So they're a little older than 24, and they're, what about us? And mm-hmm. you are also, we're open right. and flexible in that space. We put the number of 18 to 24 out there, recognizing that it's kind of the in-between stage, right? So you're done with high school. You're looking for what to do next. Um, or you just wrapped up university. You're looking for what to do mm-hmm. next. And you want to get into the corporate professional space. You're not sure. And we wanted to be able to have guidance in that in-between stage. But there are folks who are maybe not in the age range, but still in that stage where they mm-hmm. they think they could benefit from this program. And we want to let you know that we are open to that as well um, and that this is not excluding you at all. Right. Yes. That's great. The other one thing I wanted to mention really quickly, too, was that also we are focusing on women of color. That's mm-hmm. our focus. But we're also open to women who are not a woman of color. <laughs> so this is for women in general. Mm-hmm. We recognize that there's a need here. The reason why we have focused on women of color is because of the double wage gap. And we oh, recognize that, yes. right? So, but there's still a wage gap mm-hmm. <laughs> with women. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we just want you to know that um, it is this is for women in general, even though we have a target market. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think a lot of people don't even realize that, yes, I mean, I think it's very widely known that women in general make less than men per capita. But the women of color have an extra boundary there that is unfair and it, it deserves to be talked about. So Absolutely. people know. And, um, you, you know, it doesn't it might make people feel uncomfortable, but too bad. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable that it exists to begin with. So so thank you for doing. doing Agreed. That. And yeah. there are some young women that um, we've recognized, let's say at that age, I was just starting corporate jobs. And so you go and you do your job and you do what you think is expected of you. But you don't know, well, what is the next move or mm-hmm. what do I do next? And so you may have you know, gotten out of college and graduated and you're on your way. But now that I'm here now, what does that look like? And so Mm -hmm. we're here to support in that way, too, and help provide some guidance and uh, to show you how to show up and show out when you get there. Great. Great. Well, and I think that age, too, people might tend to treat you like a baby. And you're really not a lot of if you're seeking your to better yourself at that age, you're not a baby. You just happen to be that age. And I mean, I remember my first teaching job and I was 23 years old and, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're such a baby. And they treated me like I might I must be dumb or, you know, just useless. And I was like, that's not fair. Yes, I'm insecure because I'm inexperienced, but that doesn't mean my value is any less. So I think it's great that you're promoting and mentoring rather than like, oh, honey, bunny, like, let me do it for you. You know, let me show you how to do it for yourself. Yeah, that's a huge point, you know, as opposed to um, fishing for them, but teaching them how to fish. Uh Um, And even more so one step further, because we offer entrepreneurial training as well in this program. Mm -hmm. So we also teach them how to purchase the pond. So (laughs) so (laughs) that's a thing. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that to your point on that, Jen, you know, I think a lot of the young women that we're working with might feel insecure. Mm -hmm. We address that in this curriculum. We address the idea of um, not feeling like you, the imposter syndrome. We mm-hmm. we, we address that very specifically. Yes. And we talk about the importance of building your confidence and what are some of the things that you can do to do that? Mm-hmm. How do you show up? But when you are, I'll tell you, one of my first positions that I got, um, I was young when I was a supervisor. And I had employees that I was supervising that could be my parent oh yeah some of them twice over almost (laughs) oh boy yeah so it was awkward sometimes when I had to you know have coaching conversations and that kind of thing so how do you show up in those spaces with employees that are 
much older than you, mm-hmm. and then you have to give them direction, right? You have to delegate tasks right. to them. What does that look like? How do those conversations happen? Um, and how do you do it in a way that makes them feel respected still, mm-hmm. right, and is, is not offensive to them? Um, and so that a lot of that is, you know, the things that we cover in our curriculum oh, and how you have those conversations. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's important to to kind of call out. And I think another thing to the point of what you said about um, – babying them I it has been my experience that women of color don't get that um they don't even get the support of here let me show you oh, how wow. to do it okay it is an alternative that they um expect us to maybe be older or know things that maybe we don't know mm-hmm. right and so we don't get the same amount of grace um at those ages that you might give to son or your daughter or your niece, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We come into these workspaces and we have a different set of expectations that we are operating to. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't always know that, but we find out very quickly. Yeah, that's a good point. Great point. Yeah, for sure. Well, and even speaking to imposter syndrome, I mean, when we were talking before we got, got going here, I mean, I recorded my first episodes in June and I hung on to those babies for six months just having like being awake at night not knowing how to edit it or how to how to put it out there so I guess it it can happen to any age like if you're trying to do something new and you put yourself in a vulnerable space and then all the that's when the negative self-talk happens it's like oh well am I good enough can I do this so having that mentorship and leadership is really really special and really important yeah Yeah. that self-talk is everything and we address that (laughs) yes absolutely imposter syndrome Everybody has, well, yeah. a lot of us, I'll say a lot of us have it. Um, and sometimes we go through waves of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's different phases every time you step into something new. Right. Uh, but it's certainly different when you're just starting out and you're trying to prove yourself. There is a mm-hmm. lot of insecurity, even if you were a straight A student. You might come in with a different, you know, it's a different ball game now when there are these expectations that you're working towards, mm-hmm. but you don't really know what they are, right? Because when mm-hmm. you get a professional role, they don't lay it out for you and say, right. this is what success looks like. Um, and uh, how here's the roadmap and how you get there. It's very ambiguous and mm-hmm. a lot of gray area. And so that, you know, is uh, rife for imposter syndrome. Right. I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but maybe I'm not, right? <laughs> exactly. Because they're passing me over or they're not giving me these opportunities or they chose so-and-so to present when, you know, it was all of my work or whatever it may Ugh. have been. Yeah, that sounds really unfair and <laughs> unpleasant for sure. I mean, even just when I first started teaching, I remember if somebody had to drop a kid off or I just felt like, oh, my God, don't look at me. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I mean, it took a few years for me to feel not so on the spot and uncomfortable. And uh, I mean, let's face it, I didn't have like certain barriers that, you know, some young women of color might have. So I can imagine how stressful that can be. And that exudes from you, too. And that's something that we discuss. So to Leah's point, you know, there's no uh, map. There's nothing that's laid out for you when you start a new job or mm-hmm. when you get a promotion. A lot of times we get we we are getting promotions sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're getting the promotions and they're like, go be great. And then you're like, yes. 
oh shoot, what does great look like? <laughs> right? What is that? What, what is that you for you? Right? What is that for you? What are those expectations? And so you can't actually ask, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times, like flat out ask them because they gave you the promotion because they thought you would know, right? So because we're operating under this different set of expectations, what 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 is great, right? And so you can't ask the boss that that gave you the promotion because likely the boss does not look like you. Mm-hmm. The expectation is. Well, why don't you know what great is in here? Right. right? Do you really do not know what you're doing? Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Which would be scary to ask. Right. You don't want them to say, well, I'll just give it to somebody else. Right, <laughs> right. Or you don't actually know what you're doing. Now I'm treating you differently. Yeah. So who do you ask? And right. that's where the corporate class comes in because we understand what those expectations are uh-huh. for corporate environments, for professional environments, for entrepreneurial environments. Mm-hmm. Um, our skill sets um, allow us to be able to lend value in those spaces. Um yeah, there's something else I was going to say, but I forgot. Oh, that's okay. I'm sure it'll come back. Um, how did you two meet each other? Oh, what a great story. And how that long is... have you known each other? <laughs> even better. Oh, I love this. I didn't that even put that on the list. Sorry to just throw No, it. that's no, great. fine. It's I'll through that exact Leah. conversation. Lead the way. Um, so um, at our workplace, we had passed each other several times. I mean for years and it was really just a hey girl like your hair hey girl like your shoes Aww, good morning I but love that. nothing else right kind of we would just see each other like boats passing in the wind pretty much mm-hmm. and then deep uh in the pandemic excuse me we had been um on a uh group and we were working on something professional uh together mm-hmm. and there was something that uh she mentioned during the meeting and i was like wow i really felt that like i was thinking to myself and she reached out to me and she said oh we should have coffee or something sometime and i think it took us four months to even have coffee Aww. um but we met it was october 2020 and it was so it was like deep pandemic time no um sitting places like oh, there was yeah. few tables mm-hmm. we couldn't hardly get napkins for for (laughs) beverages and it was the longest coffee date ever we were there for five hours I love this so much and we talked about exactly you know what she was saying about well go be great but what does it look like right (laughs) help me (laughs) and we you know we're discussing some of our own personal challenges um that we have faced through our careers with her Mm -hmm. you know even coming from corporate canada and you know me working in corporate america and just as black women what that has looked like or what that has felt like and we were still in the mire i would say of it at that time and then it fell off after that. Like we still, you know, occasionally would send the good morning to each other, but there was no interaction until mm-hmm. Nolly. <laughs> <laughs> so we both got picked for a fellowship at uh, at work. Oh, cool! Uh, the National African American Women's Leadership Institute. Um, and conveniently, we got picked. It isn't like we knew each other were going mm-hmm. to get picked. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of were going through the program and. You know, like, hey, on Zoom, good to see you. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yay, we both got picked for this cool project. So we're in the project, and one of the tasks that they give us towards the end, this is a long situation. We started, like what, six, March? Yeah, we started in March. It's a six-month-long intensive, but we spend, like, mm-hmm. three weeks um, of those six months in class. Right. And then they give us homework and oh, assignments wow, okay. to do in between. Oh, yeah, on top of your day job. Ooh. Right. <laughs> oh, right. And at that time, we were both leaders, both supervisors. Yes. We had direct reports. We had all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, assessment writings. Like, it was loud. Wow. Projects outside of work. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's that. So, that's just inside work. <laughs> so, um we were doing this this intensive, and at the end, one of the kind of things to wrap up the fellowship was that you were going to create a service community service project. 
Uh, you can work singular or you can work with a partner. Oh. And I could feel her in Zoom, like looking at me. And I was like, this is it. We can do this for the community. We should do this thing we've been talking about. Remember a long time ago when we had the coffee? Like I can just feel oh, the conversation happening. And so immediately we picked each other as partners and we got to work. Mm-hmm. And we thought like, how do we make this possible for these young women? Um, how do we create this thing that's been in our heads and in our hearts and put it on paper? That's so great. And we literally just started planning. Mm-hmm. And we went to work, work. Like, mm-hmm. we were oh, working. We, we really we went working. to work. We wanted to pour. We literally poured ourselves onto the pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So we offered a um, four-week uh, curriculum. That was our first launch of the commu- curriculum was during our community service project. Okay. And uh, then as we were going through, and we had a very short window to do promotion of this to get girls in the community aware of Mm -hmm. what we were offering um and but there was so much interest and we when we were having conversations with people in the community they were like oh this is wonderful this is so needed oh my gosh and they were so supportive and so by the time we reached the end of our um project we were like you know, I think this has some legs and uh, we can turn this into a business model. And so we did. And so that was like the seed <laughs> and the watering and everything that all kind of happened uh, over a period of, I don't know, like three months. It just all happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of been gaining legs and taking strides ever since. And some days we feel like we're um, just holding on. <laughs> we are. We're literally holding on. Oh, yeah. Me too. It's gone. It's going. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's going. It, the amazing thing about this is it's it happens so organically. Oh, yeah. Like, we didn't decide, like, oh, let's start a business, like, out of the blue. Mm-hmm. This was really, a, like, it was us giving back to the community. Like, how yeah. can we help? Mm-hmm. How can we add value here? And then it's the response that created the need yes. that we we probably need to like look at this further and do another yeah, class, but yeah. we should probably make this into like an actual business because yeah. this is going to take a lot of time, mm-hmm. a lot of energy, and there's so much need for it. Yep. So I can tell with your mission, it's it's very evident that both of you have your hearts in the right place and you really believe in this and you actually enjoy the young ladies and you really want to be a service. Whereas you can kind of tell, I, I get inundated by coaching stuff on Instagram and, you know, the it's neither here nor there. I'm sure some of it's good, but sometimes it just stinks of a cash grab. And I'm like, ew, I would not want to participate in that. And I don't have any money. Like, I've never had any money. So for me to, you know, do something that somebody's obviously trying to just take my money, I'm not going to do that. But you two, obviously, you care about this mission. And I really, I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for Erie because those girls deserve somebody like you to come in and mentor. Um, Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, no, so definitely (laughs) no. Um, Honestly, I was never the type of person who felt like I was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, I might do a side hustle or two. You know, I've had some, I guess, other lives where I've done other types of work from my day job, but I was not really interested in running a business or owning a business. It Mm -hmm. just wasn't maybe who I was. Um, and this really came about very organically. And uh, Heather, though, is definitely more entrepreneurial minded. Mm-hmm. But that is the thing for me that has felt like continuously this feels like the right thing. This feels mm-hmm. like right, the right thing. And I used to tell her this a lot last year because it did not feel like we were forcing anything. It just continued to feel organic the way we connected, the way we 
um, had a similar vision, even though we had very different backgrounds. It just really felt like every step of the way, it never felt like this isn't the thing to do. And as a matter of fact, at the end of the year, uh, when I was kind of reflecting on my year as a whole, um, one of the things that I wrote down was that um, I felt like my purpose ha- was identified um, because I really do feel like this is something that is needed. This is something that is close to my heart, to Heather's heart, mm-hmm. and uh, it just it, it was the right thing. Now, obviously, we have day jobs that support our lives very yep, well. Me too. Mm-hmm. But um, and you know, definitely, we want this to be lucrative and and successful sure. because we are spending time away from our families and mm-hmm. we are investing time but we always maintain that we wanted this to be free to the girls who needed so mm-hmm. we recognize that great. our model had to operate in a different way so that we can continue to support them first and foremost great yeah so although i have um i am uh, you know, entrepreneurial, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I don't know if there's a better way to put that. Um, it has never been um, for money. It's been because mm-hmm. I have a very creative spirit, if you will, in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And things come to me. And when they come to me, I have to take some time and ruminate on it and really think, is this is this something I have space for? Do I have capacity to entertain this? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the impact Right. That's very important to me. Impact is huge for me. More than title, more than even money, it's impact for me. Yeah. Um, so what is the impact and how how much of an impact is this thing going to have that I'm going to take on? And what are the sacrifices? What's the time commitment? Mm-hmm. Those are all things that I really try to spend time thinking about before I jump into anything. Before I jump into anything. Um, so one of the things is I know I'm going to be spending time away from our families, to, to Leah's point. Um, mm-hmm. I have a four-year-old and I have a 12-year-old. So I recognize that, especially the four-year-old, I feel like she's attached to me. She's somewhat of an she's appendage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Everywhere I go, she just wants to go there. Aww. So um, time away from her is very taxing for me. I right? bet, yeah. You know, so is this worthwhile for me to mm-hmm. jump into? So when we took on this project, we really had to talk about that and think about that. Um, you know, Leah's a new mom now as well. And Congratulations. so she should think about that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, is that going to work for her? Is that going to be time away that she is willing to spend or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as we've jumped into this, it has never been about the money. Um, but again, should it be something that, I mean, we're for profit. Should it be something that is lucrative for us? Absolutely. Well, yeah. yeah you deserve to that. Be. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. And the girls deserve that. Right. Yes. Because that means that when we're spending time in these spaces, if money is coming in, we can offer them more. And right? you can and we do, want keep that. doing it. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, to Heather's point, being a new mom. So I recently gained custody of my niece, who was 12 at the time. Oh, okay. Um, and so she's 13 now. But even though Heather's daughter is four, I'm very close to her. Uh, my daughter is the same way. She's very connected to uh-huh. me. And I feel like what she has watched me do and unfold has planted seeds for her mm-hmm. about. So now she talks about owning businesses. Um, yes. She actually feels like they should give her the old Kmart on Buffalo Road, <laughs> on Buffalo Road because she feels like she could do so much with that. Oh, but again, I want these... that for her. <laughs> <laughs> but these are all things that she is now picking up and being exposed to because of this journey she's Mm -hmm. watching me and Heather go through. Um, And that's important, right? And so her understanding that, yes, you can help your community and you can do things, but you can also make a livelihood from this, right? Mm -hmm. If, If it comes from the right place. I'm not saying that people always create businesses, you know, from that space. Uh But her seeing this happen as organically as it did, Mm -hmm. I think is really making a difference um, for her. 
great. Well, and the authenticity shows. You know, you you can just tell off your vibe that it's from a caring position, not just like, well, how can I make money fast? Yeah. You know, I think that those kind of things fail. Yeah. And when we did our presentation, I'll tell you, before this was even developed into a business, we did our presentation um, for our Nolly team and for our leadership in mm-hmm. with Nolly. And it was all tears on Zoom. Oh, let me tell you. Aww. It was, we we couldn't even get through the presentation. They couldn't get through the presentation. Aww. It was so much from our heart. And as a group of black women that we were presenting to, they understood the need for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking, man, if I would have had this sooner. Yeah. If somebody would have approached me earlier, right? We could all, it resonated with everyone. It makes me teary-eyed right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About how the presentation was going. Oh my gosh. Because it was so much bigger than I think even we saw or Mm -hmm. um, anything. And we had uh, peers in our um, intensive reaching out to us in the chat then, like, are you going to take this to other cities? We would love to have that. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so the need definitely was, Mm -hmm. we were like, okay, this is, yeah, it was definitely apparent. And so we would love to be able to, you know, expand, but we want to serve home first. Uh, Yep, that's Um, where I'm at. Yeah, we want to serve home first, but we definitely, I think, long-term um, planning and, and business goals would like to branch out to surrounding areas that could use this. Great, great. Yeah, I think the thing to know about Nolly, too, is that Nolly uh, is a group of uh, it's a group of leaders. It's a group of leaders throughout the country mm-hmm. from other Fortune 500 companies. Oh, wow. Um, so these are high-ranking leaders, you know, executive directors, directors, managers, um, you know, SVPs of their companies, um, big name companies that mm-hmm. are looking for something like this because it doesn't exist in the cities that they're in. Yeah, I was so. going to ask, is there something like what you do in other cities that you know of? I'm from Toronto. I mm-hmm. have seen this before, okay. <laughs> something similar to it. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of different programs mm-hmm. for um, people of color, for women of color, for mm-hmm. men of color, for young people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's all different kinds. Um, because we're such a diverse city, there's mm-hmm. so much like oh, this. That's good. What I recognized at Erie was it's, it's a diversifying city, <laughs> but we don't have a whole lot to serve the diversity that is here right. um, in the same way. So this to me was a, oh, this is some this is value we could add. <laughs> like, you sure. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so working with Leah has been not just value I could add, but value that we can add combined. We bring 35 years of experience mm-hmm. in this space. And why wouldn't we use that to serve the space that we live in to make it a better place. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think to your question about does it exist elsewhere? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, but Mm -hmm. then you think of maybe high level workforce development type things or professional development programs or professional coaches. Mm -hmm. There's always that. But I think the way in which we are bringing this to the table and then there's this other um, aspect of the authentic experience Mm -hmm. that we are you know intertwining into what we're teaching um not just we're a canned template let's say this is like a template created from Mm -hmm. our hearts and from our experience and i think that in and of itself and where we are seeking to support uh, young women at what age you know for example with nolly they were offering something to us who were women who were further along in their careers and they needed a different level of support but to this target of these under 30s that were Mm -hmm. you know 18 to 30 even that we're looking at i think that that is new and different yeah 
Good, good. Yeah. yeah. And these women are already leaders. So to that point, mm-hmm. for, for to Leah's point mm-hmm. about Nolly, th- they're offering this program to leaders already. They're asking Fortune 500 companies to pick leaders uh-huh. in your organization. We're talking about developing leaders mm-hmm. so that they're ready for whatever that next stage is when it comes and that opportunity. Right. But I bet Nolly is a breath of fresh air for both of you. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Networking in oh, general yes. with Absolutely. people who are like you and have similar career paths yeah. and know what it's like to be you. It was a safe space. Yeah. Safe space. Definitely Mm -hmm. a safe space. But I think one of the things, you know, that I think is different about the corporate class too, in that idea of creating a safe space is, you know, to Leah's point about, you know, talking about the authentic experience, it's also, it's us validating that some of these things are things that you're going to experience in in workplaces Mm -hmm. and, you know, entrepreneurial settings, but not just validating it. We want to teach you how to navigate some of these spaces as well. So we're not talking about, to her um, point about the canned experience where, you know, first you do this, then you do that, then you do that, then you do that, right? Mm -hmm. We're not talking about that. We're saying, we know that you have to do all these things. How do you navigate that when there are microaggressions? What does that look like in a room? What does it look like when you're the only only, right? How do you show up in that space in a way that is not cocky but is confident and you create a presence, right? What does that feel and sound Mm -hmm. and look like, right? Um, how How do you change the conversation at the table with your presence? So that it's loud enough that it speaks volumes, but you don't actually have to open your mouth as loud, right? Mm-hmm. Or as much, right? So a lot of those conversations, right? We're, we're we're really helping young women to navigate those spaces to become not just leaders, but impactful leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's nice to use your experience to share that. It's not like you're just making it up. Like you know, oh no, firsthand. And I'm sure each year is a little bit different, you know. So. It is. It is different because our lives are different. Right. Right. So initially when we started this, we were two uh, people in leadership spaces in corporate America. Uh, That has changed. Now we have a leader leader. (laughs) We have a leader of the leaders. (laughs) So Lee has been recently promoted to a director position. Thank you. Um, And I have taken a step off to the side, I guess, if you will, uh, over to uh, an HR position. Good for you. So, I mean, our lives change. And as that changes, Mm -hmm. that brings new you know, things that we're learning and new developmental mm-hmm. opportunities for us. Yeah, it's so. nice to not stagnate. It's really, yeah. Yeah. it's kind of soul crushing to yes. just yes. do the same thing day in and day out. Yes. So, yes. yeah, good for you. Thank you. Okay, I think w- one of the things we wanted to talk about is your why, and I think you've really thoroughly described that. Um, what, now, one, um, Leah, you're the COO, and Heather, you're the CEO. Yes. And as somebody who's only worked in public schools. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. So did you want to maybe briefly just share what that means? Sure. So the CEO, um, the chief executive officer, was something that I think was appropriate for Heather because she was the one who came up with the name um, of the corporate class. She kind of threw it out there. And I think originally I didn't even catch it. I was like, oh, yeah. And then she was like, she said it again. And I was like, Oh, you mean like the corporate class? And then Heather's like the idea generator. She has lots of ideas. And I think that's what I mean in terms of her entrepreneurial kind of spirit. She's Mm -hmm. very big on ideas, has things that she is, she's a risk taker. She's, you know, ready to step out and do things and lead. She's very comfortable having uh, conversations about financials and things of that nature. Whereas the COO is chief operating officer. I see myself as I keep the operations in order and make sure that things are realistic, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, Heather always laughs about the fact that, or she makes these jokes that she'll throw out these ideas. And I'm like, 
yeah, friend, that sounds great, but we don't have any money. (laughs) Or we have $10 in the bank. Or this is coming, you know, from our own bank accounts kind of thing. And so I kind of keep her grounded. And she, I think, keeps me inspired. And then we, you know, bring those two things together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also the data-driven person, um, which is probably a part of, I think, who I am, but also a part of what my day job has been within an IT. Mm -hmm. And so data, you know, helps influence these decisions and helps me have the conversation with her that, okay, that sounds great, but the data says the same thing, right. right? And again, that I think um, it was the data of the the double wage gap that I kind of presented to the table that really took our why and solidified it to say, okay, we are getting paid less as women and then as minorities. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. not in every instance, but this exists, mm, right? And sure. recognizing we can't fix that, right? Mm-hmm. That is way bigger than what the corporate class can do. But if we can help one or two or three young women close that gap in their lives sooner, mm-hmm. then I think we've done our jobs, right? Man, I could not say that better than she did. And I won't try <laughs> to say that better beautiful. than she did. Thank oh my you. gosh, wonderfully, perfectly said. Um, Yes. So Leah is the COO, which is the glue that keeps our business together. Mm -hmm. It is the reason why we still have a business. Uh, (laughs) I can tell you with my quick, fast ideas that we would be in and out pretty quickly. Um, But Leah, argue with data, right? Leah will keep us sustainable, and her ability to be able to look into the data, her want and need to see data. Um, I am not a data person. Couldn't tell you what the numbers are. Don't know how much foot traffic we have. Don't know who's visited our site, when, how. Nope, none of it. (laughs) But Leah knows. (laughs) And so she also knows, you know, on our social media pages, like who is on there. She looks at the metrics for that. Mm -hmm. Um, She can tell you like what our peaks are, um, what what is getting more attention than other things. So we know what to focus on. Um, All those pieces um, she's able to really kind of dive into. And she's not afraid of those numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of having the financial conversation. That's usually where that ends for me. So (laughs) once we solidify the check, I appreciate that. And I will just pass that over to Leah and she will handle the rest of that because I'm that's not an area that I'm, you know, phenomenal in. And we I think what is wonderful about our partnership is it allows us to really focus on our strengths. Um, And so we do that and we don't cross over into each other's territory. Um, I do not try to go into metrics. That's not for me. There you go. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Although it's funny, my day job for the past six and a half years is all metrics. So (laughs) it's amazing. So because that's not a strong suit for me um, in this space. So I don't I don't go into her territory. She doesn't come over into mine. And we are great. Heather usually says we operate in our gifts. We do. Yeah, Yeah, we do. We do. And I think that this really allows us to do that freely. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why we've been successful. Yeah. Well, and that's really important. You got, got to focus on strengths. Yes. You know, yeah. that, that's very important. So are there, talk about some, let's talk about some needs and barriers to your mission. Um, is there, you know, what do you think Erie needs to do to overcome it? Or even just any other, any city of our size or or larger? So um, I think a couple things come to my mind when I think of barriers, particularly I guess in Erie, because I do feel like um, sometimes as a city, we have been behind the curve. I don't think that that's a secret compared to Mm -hmm. other cities. Um, And so diversifying the workforce, right? That is something I think that has been um, all cities. 
are going through this, mm-hmm. though I feel like larger, more metropolitan cities, this isn't the same type of conversation. Um, but Erie, you know, obviously not only diversifying the workforce, but um, the equitable opportunities across mm-hmm. the board, like giving everyone the opportunity to move ahead and to stretch themselves. And so I feel like that is a barrier. And oftentimes that causes people to shy away from these types of professions, for example. Mm-hmm. And so where we're trying to open the door and say, you can do this and let us help give you the tools so that you can do it. And it's happening at the same conjunction of when um, the culture is realizing, okay, we need to shift and change, mm-hmm. right? And then um, the other barrier I do think exists, and it's more of a broad one, um, is that there is a with young people, there's a conceptual shift in terms of thinking about nine to fives. Mm, And mm -hmm. I would say previous generations have been, that's kind of a lot more of the standard, whereas this has been, um, they see like this gig economy and, you know, having more autonomy over Mm -hmm. your life and things. And I'm not saying that we don't all want that, even those of us with nine to fives, right? (laughs) Um, But I think that has caused, or has created this idea that no one wants a corporate job or no one wants a professional job and Mm. everyone wants the freedom of being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and what that means. Those are things that I kind of, excuse me, see as barriers um, that are shifting the mindset. And so how do Mm -hmm. we kind of work within that to still... uh, Everybody's going to need a job. I mean, yes. in some ways, right? Yeah. I mean, even entrepreneurs who start out, that sometimes they realize, okay, I have to go back. I need you know, some security, and get, right? And get a nine to five. And mm-hmm. so you can have both and do both, but let us equip you, right? Because operating in those spaces are distinctly different. Mm-hmm. So let us equip you with the tools to help um, when you go get that nine to five. Yeah. So in respect to what Leah was talking about, the gig economy, um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and my take on it was, is it is it a barrier, right? Mm-hmm. Or is this an answer to the barrier? Ah. So, you know, we're talking about the fact that, you know, young people, and as a millennial, I recognize the need for work-life balance, right? Oh, sure. Um, and I think everyone does, mm-hmm. but I think millennials are willing to take the jump the risk takers and say it out loud right and do something about it mm-hmm. right not ju- because they're not as concerned about the security factor mm-hmm. they're willing to take the leap um and so i think that this contract type uh, work this gig economy that we're talking about mm-hmm. this like social media living <laughs> that we're seeing I'm like, how people do you, are pouring how the tea work? slowly right <laughs> making their coffee all nice and mixing it uh-huh. you're like is that what you do all day right like, so <laughs> how does this how are you getting paid right <laughs> sweetheart i'm right. worried about you <laughs> So this concept that this is this new way of living and we just want to be relaxed all the time and go on vacations. And soft life. We see the yeah. soft life. Yeah. Yes, the I water. Mean, I want this. Right, yes. right. The fully manicured toenails yes, on the beach. Always. Like, yes, all mm-hmm. the things. So this life that we are watching people, <laughs> we think we're watching people live on social media, um, I think is an answer to the barriers that exist in the nine to five workplace, in these professional spaces. Mm -hmm. So a lot of young people are recognizing, number one, if I have the job, there's not flexibility that I need, right? If If I get it at all, in some situations, they're not getting the job. They're being overlooked for other people that might fit the description a little bit better than they might, mm-hmm. right? So how do I create a life that makes sense for me, that addresses my needs, that allows me to make some money, um, and I don't have to go to a nine-to-five? 
Right. And so then we start seeing this gig economy. We start seeing this Mm -hmm. contract work, this flexibility that's allowing them to have. And when we're watching it on social media, we're like, what on? Wow, that looks that looks dreamy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so they might not be making, you know, six figures. They might not be making high five figures, but they're making enough to get by. (laughs) Right. And that's good enough for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that rather than it being a barrier, I think and it might be. But I think that it, it might be double-sided. It might not just be a barrier. It might be an answer to the barriers that already exist mm-hmm. and people trying to create and pivot um, in this yeah. space, especially during the pandemic. I think a lot of us have had that awakening that, wait a minute, we can spend time with our families. That's a thing. And we can still work. Mm-hmm. Like, work still gets done. And the workplace is like, hey, we haven't skipped a beat. Imagine yeah. that. This isn't so bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> Imagine that. And so I think that there's some answers that we're, we're, we're seeing mm-hmm. and some pivots that are happening uh, in society from a, a corporate standpoint and a professional standpoint, but also from a individual standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the DEI and, and, and kind of um, diversifying the workspace. I think that that is a huge piece right now. Um, and when I think about what cities can do, including our own, mm-hmm. um, and workplaces that are in the cities that we live in, I think that we can not just think about diversifying, but the equitable piece that Leah mentioned. St- I'm going to say this. I'm just going to come out and say it. <laughs> Do it. Stop offering people of color low-tier jobs to get them Boo. in the door. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> right? We can do more. Oh, and my gosh. And not yeah. only can we do more, um, if given opportunities, we can do more. And mm-hmm. oftentimes we hear, you know, to Leah's point when we're talking about, um, you know, people kind of getting in where they fit in. And some people are going to get in and they're going to fit right there. Right. Where where that top tier job is. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, well, then you just didn't rise to the top. The reality is that equity doesn't always allow certain people to rise to the top. So are we creating not just opportunity, but equitable opportunities so that that everybody has a fair chance? So if you're offering um, training to some folks and not training to others, it's not equitable. Right. If some people Mm -hmm. don't know about the training (laughs) while other people have free opportunities and are offered that by their supervisor and Mm -hmm. encouraged to take it, it's not equitable. Right. Right. So what are we doing to address not just the opportunities so we can check the box, Mm -hmm. but to actually create equitable opportunities across the board? Make sure they're aware of it. Make sure have their supervisors, you know, encourage them to do it and have those hard conversations of, hey, I know that you're here, but I can see you here. What's stopping you from going from here to here, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I know Leah and I have both had these conversations, you know, with our individual direct reports when we had them, right? I know I had almost 19 direct reports um, yeah. at one point, right? But those, each of the 19, the conversation happened with all of them, mm-hmm. right? With my, you know, non-visible minority employees and with my visible minority employees. Mm -hmm. What's stopping you from getting to where you would like to get, where you said you wanted to go, Mm -hmm. right, as we're setting goals? And how can I assist you in getting from here to here, right? Um, And I think a lot of times, I mean, it's easy to be a boss, but it's not easy to be a coach. And we don't Mm want to have those coaching conversations. And we don't want to do the work sometimes that Mm -hmm. it requires once we open that Pandora's box. Right. Right. Well, and you mentioned coaching. And I think some of this equity starts when somebody's five and they go to kindergarten. I mean, Pennsylvania up until a couple years ago was just basing on their funding on property tax largely. And let's face it, 16501 is one of the poorest zip codes, if not the poorest zip code in the country. So those kids, they they didn't ask to be born in a certain spot. They didn't ask to be born to a certain parent. You know, they're, they're doing the best they can, but their opportunities were not as great. So some of these girls that you are getting, even this year, were 
part of the kids who might not have had music class Absolutely. for a while. Right. You know, so it's nice that finally the state got on board with like actually making sure that each student has the same amount of expenditure. Um, but that wasn't the case up until a few years ago. Yeah. So um, both of the young women in my life, uh, 13 and 15, my nieces are in the Erie School District. Mm-hmm. And so I am constantly aware of what they are having access to or Mm -hmm. how it compares and even thinking or considering I consider myself a city girl I grew up in the city right um and you know while the suburbs or you know further out sounds nice I like the convenience of being Mm -hmm. local um and I want my daughter to be in a space where she feels most comfortable she knows her friends there Mm -hmm. but I don't want to feel like she is being skimped on her education yes. opportunities mm-hmm. because we don't live in a different school district, right? right? And so, yeah, it does leave a lot on the hands of the parents to try to supplement their learning, right, mm-hmm. with what they feel like they're not getting in school. Because right now, even though the funding may have picked up, I feel like the teachers are overburdened because of the fallout from the pandemic, right, (laughs) education-wise. And so it's like this constant cycle that, okay, now there's the funding, but how is it being used? Is it being allocated to the right things? And are there young children, like my own, who Mm -hmm. potentially would get lost in the shuffle? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's important and it, it's an uncomfortable conversation because people in the suburbs don't even ever want to think that maybe they got a better opportunity just because of where they lived. Right. But it, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, as a, a part of my day job um, for the last three years, I have been coaching uh, and mentoring young people who were in an apprentice program who um, got in through their internship. Mm-hmm. And again, Obviously, internships are open to all, Mm -hmm. but if you did not have the same type of exposure and experiences growing up or preparation, Mm -hmm. then that means you then don't get these opportunities to get into an apprentice program that will help develop you and show you the way and give you an opportunity to truly learn and fail Mm -hmm. and try again. And so the corporate class for me, is a way to extend those types of opportunities Mm -hmm. to young people. While we may not be working, we're helping you take these skills and apply them to, um, I mean, we're not an employer, so we're, but we're helping to give you those skills that you could take to your employer Mm -hmm. and apply them, you know, in that arena, because maybe you didn't have the opportunity to, you know, get through an internship, Mm -hmm. like, myself I didn't go to college right after high school Mm -hmm. but I still had to work I still had bills to pay right and so trying to to help close that gap Mm -hmm. of opportunity because some of this has been created just by the zip code that you grew up in right which you had absolutely no say in right absolutely now um, do you have any advice for moms of young girls as they're growing up, okay, so the the opportunity gap is closing because of, thank you, Governor Wolf, for helping with that funding formula for public schools. But um, if you're a mother of a young girl, I know this, this city does some, like, career cruising where they're exposed to different um, different careers and things from an early age, and not just church, uh, teacher and nurse, but mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, do you have any recommendations for moms and dads of young young women you know before they get to you what what should the conversation look like so that's interesting because i i feel like we're learning as we go Mm -hmm. in some of that way i mean so i think the biggest thing for me has been um 
don't try to fit them into the just the mold that you picture for them mm-hmm. you can help support there's so many other options for sure to careers than I think there were obviously <laughs> when we were growing yeah. up right and so there's a way that you can cultivate what it is that they want to do in mm-hmm. a very positive way find I mean for me for example she loves art and mm-hmm. do I feel like artist is the path that I wanted to go maybe not but <laughs> that artist could end up in a corporation like Disney, right? Right. Or could end up. So think, you know, beyond and see that for them that they can build on their skills because if they do something they enjoy, it won't feel like work, right? Excuse me. And so helping them identify that and kind of nurturing that and recognizing it may change, but help introduce them to some other opportunities or individuals like Heather and I, yes, right, yes. Who, who may be able to help you support them, you know, in that way. But really, you do have to listen to, I think a lot of, they have a voice, right, mm-hmm. and listen to that. Um, now, if they just want to be on TikTok, <laughs> as I know a lot of them do, yeah. You have to help them understand it's a business, right? It isn't the soft life that Heather talked about. Yeah. It, there really is a grind to that as well if you're if that's what you're going to do with your life, right? Right. So I just think be you have to be more open-minded, but you have to kind of usher them and help them see their job or see their, excuse me, their interest as something that really could be mm-hmm. a job and a career. Right. And the work that has to go into it to, for it to be successful. Yeah. Well, and you think too, like the, the soft life, like they retired before they even retired. And, um, you know, when I was 23, I was signing off on retirement paperwork and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that'll never happen. That's only for old people. I'm not old. So do you have any advice for people going through your program as far as getting retirement set up? Yeah, I think really um, looking at going to sound terrible, but looking at the long term, and I, I'm big on working backwards. Mm, okay. So understanding where you want to be and what you want to do. Um, and that's a lot to think about for young people, I think. But mm-hmm. I will tell you, as Canadians, this is beat into our minds at like 14. Okay. Right? So we talk about retirement. We had to, I, our, our uh, retirement funds are already set up at 14 and 15 years old. Oh, wow. We're talking about saving, how to minimize your debt. It's all over commercials. So oh, my mentality wow. is really different oh, when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to that perspective and kind of things to expect as young people. So even my five-year-old now, we're talking about businesses, how we can <laughs> get her set up. My 12-year-old, we're talking about, you know, you have a bunch of clothes that you don't want. Let's set up an online boutique. Let's get that stuff sold. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I buy you nice things, right? So yes, we're you're not, not going to pass, into, right? Yeah. You're not passing it on to your sister. Then you know, figure out what you want to get rid of and what you want to sell, and let's look at what that looks like. So again, it's not just for um, lessons learned in the moment, which is great. Mm-hmm. I, I do want them to learn a business sense now, mm-hmm. um, and if they choose to work for someone, great. If they choose not to, then great. I want them to have the option though, right? So there's that. But then also I want them to be able to understand the concept of working backwards from a goal. So um, and I think that starts with small goals. Retirement mm-hmm. is, a, is a big one. But if parents are have young people, you can start with small things. I'll give you an example. Um, my 12 year old, 
decided that she wanted to set some new goals for her vision board. And I had her put on her vision board what she wanted to do quarter by quarter instead of mapping out the entire year. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming. It was overwhelming for her. Mm -hmm. Now, not for me, (laughs) but I'm an adult, right? Right. I recognize that it could be a lot for her. So I said, well, instead of taking the whole year, and the goal was to have straight A's all year. And she was like, gasp-worthy. This Mm. was not something that she thought was possible and definitely not in a full 12-month cycle. Mm -hmm. But can you do a quarter? I said, what if you just did quarter by quarter? That's all we did, small goals. And so that's what she did. She put Mm -hmm. it on there quarter by quarter. I'm happy to report to you that last quarter just came out and it is all A's. But biting it off in small sections is what made that possible for Uh her. So I think as we work with our young people, recognizing that small bites are going to be the key. We're impatient as adults. I get that. But we have to take it in small bites. I'm impatient. I'm talking to myself, not to the parents. It's to (laughs) me. me. Talking to me. So (laughs) I'm impatient. But those small bites are going to help them. It's palatable for them. Uh, So when we think about retirement, let's not talk about the 401k and the pension. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what do you want to be doing when you're 60? Right. What does that look like for you? That lifestyle. You want to live a soft life. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how the soft life happens. Right. Right. And let's start stepping backwards. So some things you don't want to pay for in the soft life. You don't want to be paying uh, rent. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You want to have no expenses. How do we make that happen? Mm -hmm. What are some of the expenses? Let's write some of those things down. Right. And if we can figure out how we deal with those, we can start walking backwards. Well, what if you had a job that had a pension and you didn't have to pay for some of those expenses? Uh. What if you had a job that paid you six figures and then you didn't have to worry about any rent because your mortgage is completely paid off? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's get rid of some of those and see here are some of the decisions you'll have to make in order to address some of those small bite sized pieces as we work backwards. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that the working backwards is an easy way, palatable way for mm-hmm. young people to accept it rather than talking about this big future at 60. I mean, they don't know what they're doing next tomorrow. <laughs> 60, right? 60, that sounds like... <laughs> it's inconceivable. I'll be dead I've got one foot in the grave. <laughs> right, right. That's what they think, right? So you turn 40 right. and you're like, wait a minute. Right, right. Now I'm like, oh, I can't wait to be 60. I'm going to be retired and I'm taking Living care of myself. Right. So I'll right. get that soft life going at right. 60. So... Oh man, yeah. it's been so wonderful talking to you too. I I just I can't wait to see what what happens next with your uh, business and what you're offering for our community. Um, do you have anything else left to share for the good of the order? Um, I think I would just share uh, with the audience that you can find us on social media. Um, on Instagram, it's the corporate class at the corporate class LLC. You can email us at the corporate class LLC at gmail.com mm-hmm. or you could register for our classes and um, check us out online at thecorporateclass.com so we're a little bit of everywhere and we are happy to answer DMs I'm going to apologize in advance if we're a little delayed in oh, getting to that because okay. <laughs> uh, we have lots of things going on. But, uh, yeah, we would love to hear from people. We love, you know, if you see us in Wegmans, Walmart, come Yay! up and say hello, okay. ask us questions. Um, absolutely. I mean, we're really looking to support our community. And um, the best way we can do that is for them to come to us and let us know what they need. Great, great. And I'll make sure when I post this um, on Anchor and Spotify that it's uh, there's links to everything. Wonderful. So thank they can you. people can just click. Thank you. So, thank you. Well, thank yeah. you so much, ladies. This thank you for awesome. what you're doing. Yeah, it has been awesome. All right. Have a great day. And Thanks. listeners, I'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Ask Gen Psych. I look forward to sharing the next episode with you. If you have a topic that you would like to hear discussed, you may email it to me at askgenpsych at gmail.com 
or at the link in my bio. Please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram for more information. Drop a review if you're feeling inspired. Have a great day.